Welcome to the JLA cast, a podcast in which we revisit a magical time in comics, kind of kind of tangentially, tangentially related to the work of Grant Morrison uh, and the scuff on JLA. I'm losing it. It's a bad intro, but I'm John and I'm the writer and creator of Afterlife Inc. And I'm PJ and I'm the writer of the graphic novel adaptation of Steve Jackson's The Trolltooth Wars. Intro needs some work, John. I'll be honest with you, PJ. I was, I was shooting for the moon. Uh, and I, I know I've got one more episode to actually get it right. So I was, I was, gonna, I was just going to go off the rails. I was just going to treat myself, and it, it, it didn't, it didn't. You, you improvised. It didn't go as well as I, as I thought. <laughs> the great creative mind of John Locke is not good at coming up with ideas on the fly. How about this is the JLA cast? Suck it! I, wow, wow, a bold <laughs> confrontational <laughs> statement from the king of them. Um, it's just you know I'm just putting putting things out there. That's all. I know, I, and I, I approve. I'm, I'm glad one of us has has the courage to finally say what we're all thinking. Uh, PJ, it's final night time, but not the final night we know. Yeah, this is a this is a weird issue in a way because it's it's the tie in, the only tie in we're looking at. Obviously, every single DC book in the month when final night came out had a tie in because that's how the DC events worked. But I have read one of them, the one we're about to look at now, because it's the only one that's included in the final night trade, because it's the only one that was deemed essential to the story. Um, it is quite different, sort of in tonally and, well, in every way, to the other four issues. Mm. Oh, quite, yeah. No, it's. Um, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to talking about this episode, of uh, this issue, if you will, because... Um... Yeah, it's 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 a it's a change of pace. Yeah, for sure, definitely. But I I do I really like it. It's it's very much a story about a particular character, and I think it does. It's is a character that I like. Um, at this point in time, <laughs> it it does some really nice stuff, and and yeah, there's some good moments and. And it's 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 also quite a nice issue, even though he's not in it a lot for Kyle. Well, well, indeed. And well, to be fair, he's not in it a lot, but he's in it a great deal more than he has been in Final Night up until this point. Yes. <laughs> Do we? I mean, to be honest, like this issue, and you know what comes after it is basically why we're here. It's why. Yes. It's why we've been doing Final Night at all. To be honest. Yes, but definitely. Do we? Do you think it's worth doing any kind of scene setting? Should we kind of do the story so far, so to speak? So what we're looking at today is the Parallax Emerald Knight one-shot. Uh, Knight spelled the same as Final Knight, N-I-G-H-T. Parallax is not the Emerald Knigget. <laughs> um, 
Um, so yeah, this is this is a Hal Jordan issue, which was something of a rarity at this point because we're a couple of years on from Hal uh, losing everyone he loves when Mongol and the cyborg Superman destroyed Coast City, uh, going to the Guardians and demanding they restore Coast City, and when they refuse, it sort of breaks his brain. He murders the entire Green Lantern Corps, uh, becomes the all-powerful Parallax, then tries to reset time in zero hour, like just from the very beginning, uh, to shape it how he wants it to be, uh, where he's then stopped by, you know, all the DC heroes from 92, 93, that crossover. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I don't, I think there is, uh, I think he turns up in an issue of like Green Lantern as Parallax, where he fights Kyle. I haven't read it, but it's referred to in, in this story. I don't know if that was before or after Zero Hour, but he hadn't been about about much. So uh, just casting our mind back to that, to the very, the very, the kind of exciting incident, the destruction of uh, Coast City. Mm. Um, did that happen in the pages of Green Lantern or was that an event in its own right? It happened in the pages of Superman issue 80 as part of the ongoing death and return of Superman storyline. And oh, then interesting. Yeah. It's really weird because this was my second encounter with a green lantern. My very first encounter with a green lantern was DC versus Marvel. Yes. Where it's Kyle. Yes. It's odd, isn't it? That was mine as well. Yeah. And then my second one was when I, the next DC book I read was my local library had the Death of Superman trilogy, so the Death of Superman, World Without a Superman, and Return of Superman. And I got out all three. And Return of Superman, you have the destruction of Coast City towards the end, and then there's just a random issue of Green Lantern in there, where right. Green Lantern fights Mongol, because he turns up at Coast City. Obviously, it's his home city. He's away when the destruction happens, and then he turns up, fights Mongol, and he's then present for the last couple of issues... Uh, of Return of Superman, mm. and obviously that's Hal Jordan. My brain didn't twig that this was a different Green Lantern. I think after I read this, I just substituted Kyle for Hal in DC versus Marvel. Well, to, well, to be was... honest, if you were anything like me, and and you know, D DC had much more of a legacy of uh, a, a mantle existing across multiple people. You know, yeah. it, it was much more of a DC thing that there could be four Green Lanterns or three Robins or something like that. Whereas we were in Marvel, you're a bit more used to it only being, say, one yes. Spider Man. Yeah. Apart from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was only later on when sort of I, I I was started reading the current crop of comics and it was Kyle as Green Lantern. I was like, Oh, okay, so this is a different Green Lantern and then I went back and reread DC versus Marvel. Like, oh, this is Kyle, not Okay, and then obviously I grew to love Kyle more than Hal, hmm. but I do have a soft spot for Hal. So, so okay, so circa very early nineties, we get. Well, sorry, no the 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 death and return of Superman is ninety four. No, early. Uh, I think it might be ninety ninety three because next year is the oh, Jesus Christ, next year is the thirtieth anniversary. Oh my God. Okay, wow, okay. Of the death of Superman, but that story ran for ages, wow. I think, so it might have run into then the beginning of 94. Okay, so we're talking 1993, we get the destruction of Kosk City. Mm. Then in the ensuing aftermath and Hal's kind of downfall, we get the destruction of the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, yeah. And please step in and correct me if I get any of this wrong, but Hal directly or indirectly kills all the Green Lanterns. Yeah. Absorbs the central power battery. Yeah, 
becomes immensely powerful. In the aftermath of that dis- destruction, Kyle becomes the one and only Green Lantern because he has a he's gifted a a, a special ring like a like a prototype or a... it's yeah it's a prototype for the new what was going to be the new Green Lantern ring that yeah. the Guardians were creating. He's given it by Ganthit, and uh, it's just pure random chance that it's Kyle. Yes, and. Then we enter. Then enters John and PJ <laughs> in, in, into a world where we we believe, because this is the skates quote over time, that there is only one Green Lantern. That that is the point, and literally the power ring is the most powerful weapon in existence because it's the only one of its kind. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. So that makes sense. So I guess another question would be PJ. This is a post Crisis on Infinite Earths world. Mm-hmm. So, the current DC continuity. I'm sorry, I say current. As of 1996, when this story came out, is only ten years old. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So, in that time, you have the founding of the JLA, uh, as kind of portrayed in JLA Year One, mm-hmm. which we're going to visit. We have Hal's fall from grace. We have Kyle emerging as the new Green Lantern. We have Grant Morrison's new JLA beginning in 1997. Yep. I'm just saying like a lot has happened in universe within 10 years. Yeah. And I'm like, how quickly did Hal's hair go gray? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. As with a lot of the characters, they did, uh, just after Crisis, retell the origin. I think Green Lantern was one of the titles, like Wonder Woman, where they just relaunched it with an issue one after Crisis. And, or even a little bit later, actually. Um, at some point, it was relaunched with a new issue one, and that retold the origin, Hal's origin post-Crisis, and he didn't yeah. have the Reed Richards hairdo yeah. at that point. Um, I'm not sure when they brought that in, to be honest. He... he definitely had it for the first few years of the 90s before he went nuts um but yeah we see that's interesting to me because you've got two things going on here haven't you you've got the meta history of Hal Jordan as Green Lantern and a character who is a character going all the way back to the 60s I believe is that correct yeah. yeah so we've got the meta history of Hal Jordan being a long-running character. But then you've got the in-universe history that he's only... Well, he's... Oh, it's weird, isn't it? Because at the same time, there's still been Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner and John Stewart. And John Stewart, yeah. So how do you square that circle? It's like in year one, I'm assuming that Hal Jordan doesn't have the Reed Richards grey hair. He's a relatively young and new hero. No, he doesn't. So unless his hair suddenly went white as a consequence of the destruction of Coast City. No, uh, it was before that. It was before that. I yeah. think they just they wanted to have this idea that Hal was one of the elder statesmen of the superhero set. And I, I think the idea was he didn't become Green Lantern until he was in his 30s. So maybe by the time of destruction of Coast City, he's in his early 40s, perhaps. And, you know, I started going grey at 17. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, but, no, I'm... I'm uh... Lucy keeps commenting about the grey in my hair, so yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 going grey right now. But 
they've retconned a lot of it. I don't know if this is still the case because I don't know how much of this. I don't know where DC continuity is. Everything's been reset so many times now. But certainly in the 2000s when Jeff Johns took over Green Lantern after Rebirth and Hal was the main character again, they got rid of the grey. Mm. Um, and they said that that was... I don't know how I feel about this. That Parallax was a parasite creature yes. they had trapped in the power battery, I think. And Parallax took Hal Jordan over at some point, and that's when Hal's hair went grey, because it was a sign that he was infected by the Parallax parasite, and that everything that happened wasn't his fault. I don't know how I feel about that. I, you know, I, I think, you know, losing an entire city of people you love could drive you to desperate actions, which is what happened in the original version, the original telling of that story. So just so you can turn around and say, oh, but it wasn't really him. It was this parasite thing that was that was in him. And, and how's a hero again? Yeah, look, look, he's back. Well, Even, and would, who cares about Kyle? We've, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Because obviously yeah. we have a great affinity for Wally and Kyle. Uh, and the idea of um, a younger hero picking up taking up the mantle uh the reins of uh from a from a very well established and beloved character and what that meant you know and I, I very interesting story and commentary on legacy and and you know making your own making a name for yourself uh living in the shadow of someone um but then of course <laughs> we have to go back to what we love don't we so of course it's not long before Barry Allen returns and no wait is that his name is it Barry? Yeah, yeah am I going yeah. mad? Sorry, I, I couldn't remember his name for a minute. Hal and Barry are back. And, and Kyle and Wally just kind of get sidelined. And it's not even like a full reboot. Like, we've had reboots. We've had soft reboots, hard reboots. But yeah, kind of like... I guess if you're gonna if you're going to hand wave it, then saying he was possessed by an alien space monster is, is, is about a good, as good a reason as anything. But I, I would have been quite happy to see him remain dead or you know or have him fail that's an interesting story to me and i liked them making him the specter as well i think that was a really interesting move and there were some really good stories told i think with hal as the specter and it is a way of keeping him around without sidelining kyle mm. yeah no and i i think it actually shows a degree of i think it showed a degree of courage you know from editorial to take a mainstream heroic character and have them fall from grace um yeah. you don't get it very often or if you do get it well it, it often we've seen this before and again we'll see it again but it, it 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 often doesn't stick does it because we there's this constant need to reset the status quo i think what what annoys me about the kyle and wally stuff though is other changes usually happen for like a year and then they're gone so you look at electric superman you look at ben riley you look at um, Peter Parker revealing his identity to the world, things like that. Death of Superman. They stick for a bit, and then a year later, everything's back to how it was before. You know, Barry had been dead over 20 years. Mm. You know, Hal had been dead for 10. Kyle and, and Wally had had a good run, and they were, at that point, a lot of people's Flash and Green Lantern. 
Mm. You know, I can't remember which writer it is said it, but I think they said Barry Allen as a character was not very interesting. The most interesting thing about Barry Allen is him being dead and a legacy that Wally had to live up to. I I, I agree. I agree. And I, I think it's, um, it stems slightly from the fact that like a lot of those heroes at the time, while I'm, while I'm sure great work was done with them, they were kind of you know kind of dc's characters that originated in the 60s were kind of like clean cut square jawed just kind of good people you know they 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 weren't especially complex they they were just heroes just going out and doing things i mean it's maybe an oversimplification but we talk about you know what marvel did in the 60s and having flawed argumentative characters who didn't really get on or couldn't pay the rent that was don't want to oversell it but it was kind of revolutionary i think as well if you'd say to people name a great barry allen flash story they'll either come up with flash of two worlds mm. or crisis on infinite earths mm. those that's it i can't really think of a, a particularly highly thought of legendary barry allen story pre his death in crisis that everyone references back to and with same with hal you know, it's it's his death, his fall from grace that a lot of people really remembered at that point. There's no... Certainly back then, I can't think of any big stories for the two of them. And yes, people went back and told stories about them from the past. JLA Year One, there was a Brave and the Bold miniseries that uh, George Perez drew that focused on Hal and Barry that was very, very good. Um, obviously, they turn up in JLA Avengers and are used very well there as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no. Um, but again, it's the legacy of them that was the most interesting thing. And then, you know, older writers came in and went, no, I want them back. And I'm going to just do this and it's not going to be very interesting. Well, here's a question for you, PJ, because I, 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 I've had one of those kind of lightning bolt revelations where I feel I'm going to sound very stupid. <laughs> uh, but the whole point of, sorry, the point of Barry Allen as for Flash <laughs> is that he died in... Yeah. He died in Crisis on Infinite Earths, didn't, yep. didn't he? Okay, okay. At the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, reality is rebooted. Yep. But JLA Year One is set after Crisis because it's in the new rebooted universe, isn't it? Well, I think, I think the idea is that in the rebooted universe, this crisis happened but no one really clearly remembers what it was just that there was this big event thing that the flash died in right okay but they i I think their memories of it are sort of fuzzy at best so you have jla year one and then a few years later this crisis thing happened and the flash died that was just what i was wondering yeah, that's what I was trying to make sense of because I was thinking like if 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 Crisis was a reality rebooting meta event, then in the context of in in universe, what did Flash, what did Barry Allen die of? You know, because coming out of Crisis is Wally the Flash. Yes, the final issue of Crisis, Wally uh, puts on the Flash costume for the first time. Interesting. You know, it's so funny. I'd I'd kind of taken all that as as just kind of given for so long. I hadn't actually thought about the logistics of it and how mm. how that would work. 
But yeah, okay, interesting. It's it's still mind blowing to me that like the universe we're exploring in this podcast is is only like ten years old. From yeah, you know, in it, and not even in universe because obviously in universe time is wobbly anyway. But like, you know, we're thirty years out now from some of these events, and. Yep. No, that's right. You had to do the mental. Yeah. Arithmetic. No, yeah. I, I had a moment yesterday where I felt so old because I saw on on Twitter Tom Brevoort, the Marvel editor, shares oh comics that were out today this many years ago, and yesterday he did comics that were out today twenty five years ago, and in there was Busick and Perez's Avengers one, uh, What If one hundred and five, the first appearance of Spider Girl, and unlimited access issue three the uh, dc marvel crossover that issue featuring a, a fight between the original justice league and the original avengers wait wait hang on hang on a minute hang on a minute i mean 97 yeah so 2007 yeah god like 20 25 years ago yeah yeah, those are some of my favourite comics. Avengers 1, What If 105, Unlimited Access 3. I love those books. I owned all three of those books. And I'm like, that wasn't 25. No, I'm not that old. Come on, don't <laughs> I, do that to me. I, I don't have... Um, I, I haven't read those Access books. I, I would really like to track those down. That could be fun. Yeah. No, and As I say, I'd forgotten about this aspect of it, but that issue is original Avengers versus original JLA. They, they, there's time travel involved, so it is the five members of each team. At that point, obviously, Black Canary on the JLA versus with Hal, Barry, Aquaman and Jean versus Captain America, Iron Man, uh, Wasp and Giant Man. I can't remember. Yeah, so no, not the Hulk. Um, and Thor, obviously. But God. Yeah. I, uh, we're we're, we're going to have to... It's, it's on our ever-growing list, but we're, we're definitely going to have to touch upon the Amalgam Age uh, a little I think, bit. I think we should look at some crossovers, DC Marvel crossovers for sure. Oh my god, yeah, that 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 would be fun, and that would be the kind of the gateway drug for our our inevitable chat about the Avengers. Yes, yeah, Cause, and cause JLA it's gonna Avengers. Happen. Oh my god, yeah, because it's oh yeah, the well, that sorry, yeah, the ultimate gateway drug. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah, it has to. It has to. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So I mean, that was actually really interesting. I um. This is why you're here, PJ. You 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 have answers to all these questions. Um. Yeah, but, so I just want to say one more thing, though, oh, before please. we dive into the issue itself. So um, Emerald Knight is written by Ron Mars, who was the Green Lantern writer at the time. Ron Mars wrote Hal Jordan's Fall from Grace, created Kyle Rayner, and then wrote Kyle for a long time, right up to not all the way to Green Lantern Rebirth. In the early 2000s, Judd Winnick took over the book, but I think he had a good 10-year stretch on it. Still wrote some Kyle stuff during like the Sinestro Core War and the uh, the Emotional Spectrum era. He wrote the 12-part Ion series, which Kyle was the main character in. Uh, also wrote, uh, was one of the writers on DC vs. Marvel, wrote the All Access miniseries, was a writer on Silver Surfer, and wrote the Green Lantern Silver Surfer crossover book. Wow. So, you know, Ron Mars knew Green Lantern, and I do have a little fun story I'd like to share about Ron Mars, an interaction I had with him oh, once. I, 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 well, we'll tell you what, it, when you bring that up, I will bring up my Ron Mars story, which is probably... Well, let's do it. Probably let's not do as, it now. Okay, so, fine. You go first. Yours is probably um, more interesting. Thought Bubble 2018 was the first Thought Bubble which I was going to be at with Gavin Mitchell selling Trolltooth Wars, and... 
I was like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. I looked at who the list of other guests were going to be, and I saw Ron Mars was going to be there. I was like, brilliant. Oh, I can take some of my Kyle books, get him to sign them, have a chat with him, tell him how much I love Kyle and how much I think DC have done him dirty. <laughs> um, and then, a couple of weeks later, I find out my table is right next to Ron Mars's table. Oh my god! How have we not we talk- were, how have we not talked about this piece? We were me and Ron Mars were going to be table buddies for the weekend, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" And I tweeted uh, on the tweet saw. I tweeted, "Just found out I'm going to be tabling next to Ron Mars at Thought Bubble. That's so cool. I'll try not to annoy him." <laughs> Literally two minutes later, Ron Mars tweeted, "I'm so sorry. I have to cancel my Thought Bubble appearance due to family matters." Oh no! <laughs> oh, like, PJ, I'm so sorry. Oh no! But then he saw my tweet and he messaged me to say, I'm really sorry, I owe you a beer. So oh my God. at some point, I, I'm owed a drink by Ron Mars. Oh, well, it's... Uh, okay, so I feel I feel bad now because my, my story is that I think at MCM Birmingham 2019, um, which was the last uh, MCM show we did for a while, I think because of um, obviously the unpleasantness, but um, I ended up um, next to we, we we were setting up our tables and we were next to uh, our friends who who make a, a comic called Parallel Worlds and next to them was this chap uh, and I was like oh hello you know you kind of nod he's like, oh an American fellow you kind of nod you say hello and all that and, you know we're setting up and I kind of walked back and forth a couple of times and I was like Ron Mars <laughs> I was like Ron Mars and I was like. Because sometimes I'm a little slow when it when it comes it comes to <laughs> names and stuff, and I was like, "Why the hell do I know that name?" Like, I, I, and I did a co because I'm stupid. I did a covert Google, and I was like, "Oh bloody hell, Ron! Like Ron Mars!" Like I kind of put the connection together, and um, and then I chatted to him, and he was so lovely. Like he was mm. so so nice. And I'm and looking back on that interaction now. I'm I'm doubly angry with myself because I was so ignorant i i i didn't realize his big connection to to kyle like i know that sounds mm. stupid but like it, the name ron mars wasn't wasn't somebody i it wasn't like a name i'd really followed or, or hadn't read a lot of his stuff i've read more of it now and i really like it but he was so cool and if i'd known what i know now i would have been doing everything that you'd planned to do pj i would have been, <laughs> i would have been like so you're here for a weekend you're trapped Kyle, let's talk Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's probably good for him that you didn't realise who he was and that he had to pull out of the thought bubble I was at because we would have annoyed him so much. We should try we, and get we, him on the podcast. You know what? I reckon we might we might potentially have an in. We might be able to make that happen. That would be cool. <laughs> that would be very cool. Well, it, 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 you know, your time will come again, PJ. You 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 will be tabling next to him again at some point. I'll, I'll make sure of it. <laughs> it will happen. We'll, we'll make it happen. We'll pull some I'll springs. kick someone else off their table. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, from talking about Ron Mars to talking about Ron Mars's writing, uh, should we dive into Parallax Emerald Knight? Yes, let's do it. So the cover's just a nice image of, of <laughs> Parallax sort of leaping out of the page towards you as the uh, Sun Eater consumes the sun behind him. I wonder... I think, it's a side note, I think that is the same sun image, which has been repeated multiple times for, throughout my copy of the trade. Oh, okay. They, I, I don't know if it was an original piece of artwork created 
Because, yeah, I'm looking at it now. On the next page, I have, like, a filler page, and it is literally just for Sun, minus uh, minus Hal Jordan. Oh, I've just got a black page. I guess I'm just lucky, PJ. You're very lucky, boy. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, we dive into the episode, and g- good grief, PJ. Who's this strange fellow? We're in, we're in space. <laughs> yeah, so we start on a close-up of an eye, and then it pulls out, and the eye is is sort of a quarter of a face, which is then red metal. It's flesh on red metal. Oh, look, it's the cyborg Superman. Or as he was going by the, this point, just cyborg. Which is a little confusing, because DC has another character called Cyborg. Wasn't around at this point. What? Really? Yeah. Uh, we're going to look at JLA Titans, the Technus Imperative, at some point. That will make it all clear, but there comes a point in Titans where Cyborg is sort of no longer a going concern and he doesn't return until JLA Titans the Technus Imperative, which was after this. Well, um, maybe maybe this will help clear things up, PJ, because I, I hold in my hands my 2004 edition of the DC Encyclopedia. Ooh. Ooh. So on this one page, we have both Cyborg and Cyborg Superman, two separate mm-hmm. entries. Uh, and we have um, Cyborg Superman, first appearance, The Adventures of Superman, number 466, May 1990. Status, villain, real name, Hank Henshaw. Occupation, mass murderer. <laughs> I wonder how much that pays. Uh, his his base is somewhere in the solar system. Uh, his height is variable. His weight is variable. His eyes are variable. His hair is variable. Special powers and abilities can control electronics and create new bodies for himself out of machinery. Possesses invulnerability due to his Kryptonian organic material and alloys. Seemingly impossible to kill. Well, there we go. There you go. I'm glad this book finally... What what image do they use for, for him in that? Is it this red body that we've got here or is it with the Superman outfit? Uh, it No, it's for, it's for red body, like just one quarter skull human thing kind okay. of choking superman yeah this he's this a, was his look for a while striking character yeah i think this was his look basically the next time you see him after return of superman this was his look and this was then his look until again around the time of the sinestro core war where they then took him back to a superman costume but i think with the sinestro symbol where the s should be i want to say yes he became oh god yeah and like his he joined the sinestro core in return for didn't didn't the anti monitor promise something saying like you know he would kill him in because re- he just wants to die and he can't because he's like invulnerable. Yeah, yeah. At that point, I would say he was very much equally a Superman and Green Lantern villain, which is fair. <laughs> he um, yeah. I, I I do find it weird that like Superman had two villains who were effectively like metal men. Because you had like me- yes, me- Metalo. And Metallo, Metallo predates Cyborg Superman by quite a long way, though. Yeah, and I guess his visual design has changed a lot over the years. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you like a skull-faced Terminator robot, you've come to the right place. You really have. <laughs> um, but but sorry. the Cyborg is sort of stood on an asteroid. He doesn't know where he is or why he's there. We are uh, told. Uh, <laughs> um, but he, he, but he's come to a very uh, specific uh, uh, kind of point in space, however, particularly in the DC universe. Uh, he has arrived at the Source Wall, uh, which I first became aware of, I think, in the pages of... Well, de- definitely in JLA, there's a brief mention of it, but uh, also JLA Avengers. 
I can't remember where I first came across the source wall. I think where I first came across it, though, it was one of those. I think it might have been the um, the JLA story that has suddenly Rock of Ages. There we go. Yes, yeah, there we go. There is a little reference to it there. And it, Metron it, travels to it to make sure Darkseid's still trapped in it. It is one. I, I genuinely, I think, one of the coolest and weirdest concepts in the DC universe that. At the edge of the known universe, <laughs> there, at the edge of space-time, there is a massive stone wall floating in space, which is kind of made up of the enlarged bodies of every person who's tried to breach it over the years. They've been turned into giant statues and all fused together. And beyond the wall lies... The source, which um, is is you know in, in some circles considered God, or is or is more just like a force, or or, or literally just the unknowable, but it's mm. it's incredibly visually striking. I think this this version of it, we're on a double page spread basically of the source wall with the cyborg tiny in the foreground in front of it. I think this is a slightly different take on it. I'm used sort of used to the big gold sort of almost infinite version of it where they're all chained to it with beams coming out of their eyes but mm. this is very much a big curved stone wall maybe it's just a different part of the source wall it's going to be vast so yeah and and, and and as anyone who's done any gardening knows i mean you you need to uh delineate and break up occasionally for variety so yeah this is more of like a rockery yeah but our narrator, who is speaking in green caption boxes, tells us all about the Source Wall and the Promethean Giants who've been chained to it. And then we get our, our title and credits. So the title is just Emerald Knight. And the credits are Ron Mars, writer, Mike McCone, penciler, Mark McKenna, inker, John Callis, colorist, Chris Eliopoulos, letterer, Eddie Baganza, associate editor, and Kevin Dooley, editor. Uh, one thing I like about the uh, the cover, because just popping back to the art team for a moment, because it's, uh, what, pencils by Mike McCone... Uh, inks by Mark McKenna, and I do like that the the signature on the cover is just Mick and Mick. Yeah, MCK plus MCK. <laughs> yeah, a lot a lot of M's worked on this book. Yeah, uh, Mike McCone goes back to he's another 2000 AD graduate, wasn't he? He went from oh, 2000 really? AD to American comics. I want to say I didn't I didn't know that. Interesting. I'm pretty sure he was part of the British invasion. Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately I mean for the longest time it was a very small family, wasn't it? Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of cross pollination. Uh, but yeah, so um, you know, old uh, old cyborg dude who I do approve of the fact that even though only one quarter of his skull is a copy of Superman, he's got the long. He's still rocking like a bit of a Superman mullet. Like um, yes, he didn't get the memo. Uh, but <laughs> well, yeah, no, Superman so he, has the mullet at this point, doesn't he? Uh, oh God, he does. Sorry, yes, because we've jumped back in time a year or yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Cyborg hops over to the source wall, kind of lands on the cheek of like some giant statue. And um, yeah, the, uh, the the narrator, the unseen narrator kind of fills us in on his backstory that he's living machinery uh, imbued with Superman's genetic code, uh, directed by the consci consciousness of a madman. And um, whoever the narrator is, uh, he's been pursuing him across the whole universe, across two universes even, uh, to deliver justice. Even into another. I'm wondering if that's a, that's going to be a reference to a specific story that I am not recalling at the moment. <laughs> no, no. I, I have to assume that um, 
maybe in the pages of Green Lantern there was a bit, bit more of this. I don't know. I'm wondering if it's a reference. Did the cyborg and parallax appear in one of the access stories? <sighs> I'm trying to remember, and I I cannot. I mm. I'm wondering if it's a reference to a crossover, essentially. I feel I need to track down these um, access books. I, I think they could be more relevant than I'd realised. I I want to. I'm annoyed that I I sold my all my copies of DC versus Marvel and the access books. I sold, and you know, I regret it now. So I'm going to try and track them down as well. <laughs> um, well, regardless of what their backstory is, it looks as though uh, it's time for a rematch because. Uh, yeah, the, the narrator has found his, his target and uh, Cyborg Superman, or the Cyborg, kind of transforms his hand into into a gun as he turns. And uh, yeah, Hal Jordan, Parallax, is behind him, looking uh, kind of scary. Yeah, and, and Hal says, this is the end of everything. There's no place left to run. As the Cyborg just whispers, Jordan. Um... And uh, we'll assume that they're talking through um, bone harmonic vibrations or something like that, because we are in space. But um... you know, I think the rules are a bit different when you're this close to the source wall. Oh yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit bent. Timey reality is a bit bendy, wendy, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, cyborg. I mean, he doesn't look scared, but. Um, yeah, he says, you know, are you are ah, so Jordan, you know, you're finally here for revenge, Green Lantern. To which Hal says, you know, I'm not Green Lantern anymore. I'm I'm Parallax. And um Cyborg's like, doesn't really matter, does it? You're just here to punish me for my crimes. Yeah, and then we get a little little flashback panel where Hal fills us in a bit more on their backstory together. So the cyborg slaughtered seven million people in Coast City. Um which is where he grew up, and he mentioned, and we get a, a sort of black and white-ish grayscale panel of Jordan as Green Lantern fighting the cyborg Superman, while Mongol watches on in the background, and then there's just a big panel of Superman behind that, just to let you know this was a Superman thing. <laughs> and also, um, uh, Cal can't get his revenge on Mongol because Mongol is dead. Uh, and they reference it here with an editorial note saying that happened in the pages of Underworld Unleashed, which, ironically enough, I was doing some research on the other day. And yes, it's true. Mongol did die, although it didn't really take in in that storyline. And um, written by Mark Wade, which I wasn't aware of. Oh, OK. Is that the crossover where the villains make a deal with Neron? Yes, indeed. Including a few heroes as well. And... Yeah, incredibly, written by Mark Wade, illustrated by a young Howard Porter. I'm, oh, I need to check that out now, I think. I yes. didn't realise it had such illustrious people involved. I know, I, it got me excited when I when I read those credentials. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't think, I don't know if Mongol actually did come back from the dead before a universe reboot, you know. I think when Mongol next turns up, it's actually Mongol's son, who looks identical oh, and has the same name. Yes, of course, because I know there's, there's that... Um, a crossover that came uh, a little after the Morrison run, uh, which I keep wanting to call another brand of World War Three, but it's not called Our that. Worlds at War. Our Worlds at War, thank you. Where um, Imperiax at- at- yeah. in- attacks and Mongol 2 turns up to warn Superman and offer him training so he can be better. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so uh, you know, Cyborg Superman, uh, sorry, Cyborg doesn't really care. You know, he's like, oh, you know, you're gonna blah blah blah, you're gonna drag me to prison, whatever. You're gonna accept me back to Earth. You know, um, y- you can't do anything. Nothing matters. Even Superman thought he defeated me. I just keep coming back. I can't die. Blah 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 blah. And Parallax is like, um, no, not really bringing you to justice. I'm uh, just going to erase you from existence. And um, he blasts Cyborg right at the chest. Yeah, but then we also get a bit of where Hal's mental state is at this point. Because he says, I don't blame this creature for what happened to me. He's going to answer for Coast City, but my own transformation, what I used to be to what I am now... And then you're sort of thinking, ah, oh, this is where he's realised that he's responsible for his own actions. He's like, that's the Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and let's be honest, the Guardians, you know, they they definitely have their own problems. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe we're taking more of a Batman approach to this where it's like, you did kill a lot of people, Hal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a thing, isn't it? Whenever Hal reappeared after this, Batman was a bit like, you're a villain. And you can't blame him. <laughs> no, no. It's it, I, again. It, it definitely puts kind of um, the uh, oh god. The, I can't remember what tie, the name of the tie-in event was. But when when you know the JLA issue we we looked at in World War Three, where there's a tie-in to Howl becoming the Spectre. Day of Judgment. Day of Judgment. Yes, and and Batman. You know, there's some great dialogue in that. Batman's like, you know, look. In my opinion, Howl Jordan stopped being a good man when he killed and killed again and kept on killing you know it's it's pretty black and white from his perspective yeah exactly because he's batman and who's going to argue with him (laughs) but um we get the cyborg is sort of repairing himself and then starts blasting at parallax and at this point the narration is just about i wasn't the perfect green lantern but i was good at it and i didn't deserve what they did to me and then he talks about how he wanted the guardians to bring coast city back and they wouldn't. They forced him, this is his words, they forced me to rebel against them. They sent the Green Lantern Corps after me. The Guardians are sharing the blame for everything that happened. Okay, I did some questionable deeds, but it's the <laughs> Guardians' fault. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it's, it's a small detail, but obviously at this point, uh, he's not using a ring uh, in, mm. in any form. I, I guess I guess the energy is just kind of completely internalised. And, um presumably his power level has, has been spiked massively because he summons uh, a, a, gi- a giant dragon out of emerald energy. Uh, as um, a, a, It's a nice detail here where it's like he's barely, as much as he wants revenge on uh, Cyborg, it, it's almost quite clinical. Like he, yeah. he's, he's, his thoughts show that his mind is completely elsewhere. This is almost like a, like a dissection. He just has to put this monster down sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and as he's generating the dragon and, and Cyborg says, oh, this doesn't impress me, there is a, a, a bit of narration that I think is very telling from Hal. And uh, it's, it's it's really good work from Ron Mars in the narration here. I love it. Um, Do I regret the things I've done? Yes, only some sort of villain wouldn't feel remorse. So he still doesn't think of himself as a villain. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, y- y- you are left wondering like how 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 much in his right mind he is if that makes sense like you know he, he comes across as very controlled very very calm even when he's doing these kind of violent actions but like is he is he just showing epic denial or has he yeah. has he genuinely had some kind of break from reality i mean if i were the major bad guy of a dc crossover 
I would definitely wonder, oh, maybe I'm in the wrong here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> did he read his, did he read the press releases though, PJ? Like, did he Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the heroic vent- adventures of Parallax overcoming <laughs> waves of uh ignorant <laughs> ignorant heroes? Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe in certain quarters. Uh, but yeah, so this giant dragon uh, kind of swallows the cyborg who then erupts out of its chest. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, Howl's like just just continues to talk about, you know, kind of what's going on with him, basically. He says, uh, you know, he he's become something more. Um, and... Uh, yeah, he said he fight by taking down the guardians. He he finally gained the power to to bring back Coast City, but actually realized there was so much more he could do. Yeah, and the cyborg says you 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 think you can destroy me, and Parallax says it's not me you're fighting, it's them, it's the seven million you butchered, and just summons like the souls of all the people who died in Coast City. <laughs> yeah, um, which is a hell of a. Was a hell of a statement, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, the the cyborg starts getting kind of overwhelmed by just countless, countless kind of green spectres, which uh, again, Hal just seems to be summoning without any real effort or exertion. Yeah, as the narration talks about how he had the power to fix everything, he could remake time, he was going to make everything good again, but his friends, Ollie, Clark, all of them were against him <laughs> but no one understood yeah and now we're we're up to the he's kind of recapping zero hour if that's yeah. correct yeah which again uh definitely had time travel elements and I, I i just remind me pj did was that just parallax's raw power or was there another time traveler involved <sighs> uh so the series starts there is time travel involved because you get um Wave Rider and uh, Rip Hunter are quite key parts of it. And at first, the villain is set up to be Extant, who used to be Hawk of Hawk and Dove. And you think he's the main villain. And then towards the end, Parallax shows up and turns out to be who was manipulating Extant all along. Definitely not a villain. No. (laughs) and uh and yeah and we we pull back to uh get this uh kind of shots of uh uh cyborg being overwhelmed by all these people uh you know seemingly to the point where you know this might actually be enough to subdue him you know this kind of um this unstoppable monster Uh, and it's like all these green bodies are, are just kind of like merging into one another becoming just this big kind of green green haze Mm. yeah and then they're just sort of they become this this sort of small green ball of energy which floats down into Hal's hand and he just reduces it to nothing and sort of this green steam sort of comes from his fingertips and he says he's he's done it he's he's taken down the cyborg but he feels nothing yeah and i i guess made it look easy you know like like yeah i mean the cyborg put up a bit of a fight but like there was never clearly never any doubt that any risk of Hal's life being in danger. Like, yeah, he just, yeah, just snuffed this guy out, killed him. Now, I mean, as far as, as far as I'm aware, didn't actually kill him because as, as we later find out, this bastard is 
practically indestructible. But yeah, he he comes back. I, I don't think it's too long. In fact, till he comes back <laughs> within a year or two, he's he's around. Yeah, but you know, just scuffed him out, and and he, and how's thinking to himself? You know what what kind of you know what kind of man am I? I mean, like I I just I just killed a dude, and it was absolutely nothing, like absolutely nothing. And uh, you know, uh, am I a hero? You know, this this is really something that heroes do. But again, he's 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 expressing these doubts, but doesn't seem to have the emotional attachment to them to yeah kind of sway him from his path, I suppose. Yeah, he starts comparing himself to the Promethean giants and sort of starts just hovers in front of them, stares at them, and it's like they, you know, they sought something more. They they tried to to do the undoable, and it brought about their downfall. Do I follow in their footsteps? And there's a lovely panel of him touching the source wall, looking down with his eyes shut as he just contemplates everything. And then he looks up and you just feel a weariness in him as he says, why are you here? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it really is nice, actually. And, to, it, you know, as powerfully as he is, you know, he, I, I guess he kind of rightfully assumed he might have a moment's, moment's privacy at the edge of the universe. And you do get this moment where you think, could he just do it? You know, like it would be a kind of release. Like, could he? Could he? Could he just try and punch through the wall now? And you know, I don't think he'd even really want to know what was on the other side. I think he'd almost welcome just death in a way, just yeah. a, a way out. But yeah, but yeah. then, but he isn't alone, PJ. Yeah, because we turn the page and we get a lovely splash page of Kyle. Hey, just flying up behind him, ring shining, as he says, "I'm looking for you. We need to talk." Yay, he's back. Ah, oh, it's good to see him. The old crab mask, always a joy. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and uh, how was like? Oh yeah, it's Kyle, Green Lantern. That's really strange. Someone else <laughs> being Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah, and he, he says, in some ways, I feel like I'm. I've always been Green Lantern. I still am, but other ways, it seems a long time ago. And he asks Kyle where the others are, why they're coming after him, and Kyle says, "Nope, that's not what I'm here for. Let's peace. I just want to talk." Yeah, and again, so this is right off the back of Zero Hour, which was like fairly recently as a... as a. Uh, I think it's a couple of years. I think Zero Hour was 93, 94. I can see it on my shelf just now, but it's just out of reach. <laughs> just slightly... No, I appreciate that. Like, it's slightly too much effort to get it. And it's, it's unnecessary. I guess, I guess my point is that... Um, uh, no one has really seen Hal for for at least a little while. Like after those events, he's kind of buggered off into space, doing, I guess, hunting cyborg. Zero hour was nineteen ninety four. I just looked it up on the. Oh, internet. cool! No, thank you, PJ. Good work. So, so yeah. So literally, from Hal's perspective, he really hasn't interacted with Earth's heroes in a, in at least a little while in universe after that last incident. And he's like, so yeah, are you all, you know, when he says like, you know, oh, okay, I guess I guess you and an army of superheroes are here to take me down. And it's a fair assumption, assuming, I guess, the way yeah. they, they parted ways. Yeah, but he, he does, there's a nice little moment where he says, uh, I'm, I still can't get used to his costume, but <laughs> he has made the job his and I'm, I'm proud of him. He's got ragging on the costume, Hal. <laughs> yeah, it's a better costume than yours was. <laughs> <laughs> um and and we get a nice little comparison where you know kyle is obviously like very new very well he's new to everything like fresh fresh faced wide-eyed and um you know we've we've just had this beautiful moment of like how considering the source wall and then kyle was like um 
you know, going like, uh, you know, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's, well, it's for Source War. And Kyle just goes, yeah, wow. Wouldn't want to be one of those guys. <laughs> like just, yeah, right off the bat, just very, very different people, very different places in life. Yeah, and Hal talks about how they've they've clashed twice, once on Oa, which uh, destroyed Oa. Uh, that's one I haven't read. <laughs> and then the second time on Earth, which is when Hal accepted he couldn't be Green Lantern again, even if he reclaimed the ring. I believe that's zero hour. Yeah, it would. I guess it would have to be. And, I, and, and this is assuming that, you know, obviously events played out in the Green Lantern series. Uh, we probably had a handing of the torch between the two characters. Uh, and, and also potentially... Who knows, PJ? Like any any random crossovers where, you know, access or or otherwise, where we <laughs> may have seen a bit more of Howl chasing Cyborg. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 kind of I don't know. It's odd and kind of nice in a way that like they don't just start tearing chunks out of each other. Like it, it, it's it's kind of saying something, and I think commenting on the respect that Kyle has for him even now. Yes. After everything he's done, where he's like, "Look, okay, I, I just want to talk, please. You know, we we could fight. You might even beat me, but can we just talk? It's quite. I, I think it's a nice detail. Yeah, and and then there's a, there's a lovely page where Hal just says, "It's amazing, isn't it, being Green Lantern?" And they just have this conversation about what it means to be Green Lantern and to be starting out on this career for Kyle, where he says, "He says I'm just trying to do my best and." Hal says, I'm, I'm jealous. You know, everything's so new to you. You've got your whole future in front of you. You know, and it's 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 Hal saying to Kyle, you've got this. You're doing really well. And, you know, we don't, we clearly don't agree on a lot of things, but you are Green Lantern now. And again, like, even just Kyle saying, you know, Kyle doesn't even really have, like, an ethos or a mission as Green Lantern. You know, he 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 he's he says it himself. I'm just trying to do the best I can. You know, it it, it, it's, it harkens back to um, uh, that moment in the Day of Judgment crossover, which we we covered, where you know, uh, a short while later, after Hal's become the Spectre, he's he's saying to Kyle, he's like, you know, you live in constant fear of being corrupted by the power of becoming what I became. And uh, Kyle, I just remember this little panel of Kyle going like, you know, it won't happen. It it will it will never happen. It's like you can just sense like this kind of uncertainty and honesty about Kyle where it's like he really is really is just a guy trying to do the best he can with this incredible power that's been handed to him mm. and yeah and kind of how horrible it is to be living in the shadow of someone like Hal Jordan yeah yeah and then now having to come to Hal for help because he, he this is where he explains about the Sun Eater and says look that we need your help we need your power because nothing else is working yeah, and, and basically kind of filling us in on the events of Final Night. Is, and, and, and you know, the, the implication is pretty obvious. It's like, look, things are really, really bad. We need to reignite the sun. And, you know, I thought of you because, you know, talk about power, talk about willpower. It kind of it kind of has to be you, really. Yeah. And Hal says, look, I tried to save the world. I tried to reset time and make everything better. And they refused. And now they're asking me to save them. And this is where Kyle says, no one knows I'm here. This is all me. I'm asking you to save us. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and again, it's despite all the pressure, despite all the comparisons to Hal, both in-universe, and let's be honest, out-of-universe, um, 
it's a credit to Kyle that he, he he shows so much respect to Hal despite everything he's done. Like he puts his hand on his shoulder and says, "You know, Earth is your home. You know, you can't turn your back on it." You know, yeah. and again, he came here to ask for help. I, I think it's a very nice detail. And we get this moment of Hal looking away in the shadows and then just looking at Kyle and saying, I don't know. Look, let me think about it. You need to leave. And Kyle points out, well, there's not a lot of time, a couple of days at most. No one else can do this. We need you. And then Hal just sort of banishes Kyle, sends him away, teleports <laughs> him out. Yeah, which again is, you know, a nice power if so, if you're someone's annoying you. And, uh, and then we... We, you know, we take the time. We have a few panels of silence as we just kind of move in on 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 Hal, like closer and closer, focusing on his eye as he's yeah, th- just... thinking about this and just goes, I need to see for myself. And then he's clearly just teleported because we get a shot of Hal looking at the sun eater encircling the sun and just saying, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a visual as well. Like just this mm. kind of black sphere in the sky with like a white haze around it it's really nice yeah and we then just get a a a weird cut from there straight to essentially the end of final night issue three and guy gardner in his bar complaining because he can't get drunk uh yeah which i mean is either like which either makes becoming a bar owner the best decision in the world or the worst decision in the world i'm i'm not sure but yeah he apparently has regenerative powers which i wasn't aware of but um you can't get drunk yeah and and you get a bit of uh hal filling us in on who guy is he could have been green lantern instead of hal hal just happened to be closer i think that's the idea isn't it abin sir's ship the ring detected hal jordan and guy gardner and said they were both suitable replacements it just went to hal because hal was closer in the context of the green lantern chronology uh, what just remind me, because I know Guy became the second Green Lantern on mm. Earth later. Was that because Hal had been incapacitated at the time, or did were there just two Green Lanterns running around? I think when Guy first gets a ring, I want to say it is Hal's ring, but I think the Guardians take it away from Hal and give it to Guy. Hal does something, I can't, I'm not sure what, but that makes them say, you're not Green Lantern anymore. And then John Stewart, was he the third? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it's very odd, isn't it? When you look at the selection process of the lanterns, it's like I like John Stewart a lot. Like you know, he was he he was a good kind of steady hand. It's kind of amazing that they ever. I don't know. I, I don't want to kick him too much because I know he's mellowed a little bit as a character. But it's kind of, he was he was meant to be a obnoxious guy. Like that yeah. was the that was how he was coded as a character. So yeah, it's very interest, interesting to try and figure out what the what the Guardian saw in him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Hal sort of tells us straight up about Guy. You know, he's changed a lot over the years, but a lot of people found it hard to accept him. I was one of them. I never thought we had anything in common. I thought we were so different. But I think I'm just realising that we're actually very similar. And we get that moment of Guy, his dialogue from the end of the last issue, which ends with the grass on the other side always being greener. And then that green glow that he saw resolves... (laughs) And Parallax is just sitting in front of him. Uh, I do like the little line where in in Hal's narration he says, we beat the hell out of each other trying to figure out who had the right to beat Green Lantern. Now neither of us is. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah, kind of it's, it's nice. I do, I do like the it's why. Um, I always found it a little weird that there were so many Green Lanterns of Earth alone. I mm. I, I always liked the dynamic with Kyle, where literally he had the only ring, which made it really really special. Who got to hold it, you know? And in which case, this hits all the harder, knowing that like these two guys had effectively the greatest toy in the world. And it was taken away from them, and yeah, yeah. But but again, you know, flash forward a few years, and they all have rings, and they're all running around on Earth. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, Hal is just sat there opposite Guy, and Guy is like, "Oh, maybe I can get drunk." <laughs> yeah, and and he kind of assumes that, like, "Oh, great, I guess you're here to throw down, are you? We're gonna have, we're gonna have another fight." Yeah. And Hal says, no, I'm here because I need to think about things and I thought talking to you might help. And Guy just lays into him. He's like, yeah, so let's talk about how you destroyed the Green Lantern Corps, killed the Guardians, attacked our friends so you could reset time. Come on, let's let's have the conversation. <laughs> yeah, and Hal's like, uh, yeah, and what I did was wrong. Do you have any idea how hard it's been for me to accept that, you know? Uh... And he said, that's why I wanted to talk to you, because, you know, how many people do I have to relate to? It's like you were a Green Lantern, like, you know what it was like. Um, and yeah, and we frankly, we used to think you were a jerk. <laughs> you know, we thought you would know better than some of the villains we faced. But you know what? That's where I am now. Everyone kind of hates me. Yeah. And he he actually asks, asks Guy, well, you know... You knew people hated you, but you kept going. You you were a hero. How did you do that? And Guy says, because I knew I was a hero, and I didn't give a damn what anybody else thought. <laughs> I did the right thing, no matter the odds or anyone else's opinion. That's what makes me a hero. You do what you have to do. As you get him standing in front of a picture of him with his Green Lantern uniform and his bowl haircut. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and Hal's not you know, sticking around, because while there were things he wanted to say and things he wanted to hear, he isn't, you know, they're not they're not such good mates that they're going to sit around and have a beer or anything. He just goes, you know, look, I just, I came to ask you this because I, I have to clear my mind and make a decision. I just want to, I just want you to know that whatever conflicts we might have had, you were the one I wanted watching my back. And then he disappears. Yeah, and Guy throws his beer bottle over his shoulder and just says, yeah, Jordan, you do what you gotta. And uh, and then we cut to a hospital bed, where John Stewart is 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 in hospital. And I um, I didn't like. I was like, I didn't know this had happened to him at this point. So this happened, I believe. Um, it's the story that gets referenced in the Adam Strange JLA story about Kyle was the last one to visit Ran, and the son of Darkseid not one of the famous ones, one that was created <laughs> specifically for this Green Lantern story, um, basically ran amok, took down all the dark stars, which included Jon Stewart and Donna Troy, and, yeah, crippled Jon Stewart in the process. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Again, it, it's that same... Every time they do a... Again, sorry, I'm 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 treading all gra old ground now, but it's, it's always weird to me that every time DC does a reboot, they have to cram in all the characters that people love in a very short space of time. So it's wild to me that at this point in DC continuity, there have already been so many Green Lanterns because I'm like, 
A lot's happened to John Stewart in that short time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and after they did the new 52, they had the exact same problem because they had to explain why Batman had had five robbings in five years. Yes, that's just careless. <laughs> but no, I, I like John Stewart a lot. He, um, in the later days of the JLA series, um, when uh, Joe Kelly and Doug Mank were drawing it, he was he was the Green Lantern on the team and he was a very fun addition. Yeah, I think, and, and that came from the cartoon, obviously, because he was the Green Lantern in the Justice League cartoon, which is what made me really fall in love with the character. His depiction in that animated show, I think, was superb. Mm, I think agreed. the writing, uh, Phil Lamar's voice acting, just made an absolutely brilliant character, to the point where I would put Jon Stewart as my number two Green Lantern after Kyle. Yes, no, I, I, I would agree wholeheartedly. And I know there's been like nine Green Lanterns since then, who we're probably... We're not 100% up to speed on, but... No, I, I I don't... You've got the four main ones for me, Kyle, John, Guy, and Hal, and I know there have been a load more since then. I haven't really read any of their comics, so I cannot speak to, to those characters. But for those four, it's... Yeah, John is my number two. Um, And, and yeah, and their, their, their relationship was obviously very different, Um, and their conversation now is... Is quite different again because um you know jong's like well, i i don't know it's complex emotions isn't it because he's like he's like he's not like i don't think he thinks his life's in danger with how being here but he's like how you know it's like what are you doing you know you can't be here you can't do this for god's sake you know uh you can't just like cause so much damage and then come back and be all peaceful yeah and Hal gives a bit of history that the Guardians chose John to be his alternate. He'd carry out the duties as Green Lantern if Hal wasn't able to. And then obviously everything else that's happened since then, which has led him to this hospital bed. And John says, you know, what happened to you? The core, the Guardians, you owe me explanations. And Hal says, yeah, I do. I really do. But I don't have the time. I've got a lot going on. I wanted to see you. You're a good friend to me. I hope I was a friend to you. And yeah, here you go. And suddenly John's healed. He can walk again. Yeah. I mean, like, to be fair, given everything within that's within Hal's power, like fixing a, a broken spine is probably remarkably simple. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where you don't get the impression that Hal is trying to buy forgiveness, if that makes no. sense. He's literally just doing it. Again, with that same authoritarianness which led him down this path anyway. He's like, look, okay, I have the power. You can't stop me. I'm going to heal you. I'm not expecting anything from you in return. But I have to make this small gesture. It's not an apology. It's just a kind of, I don't know, for, for the friendship we had, I'm I'm healing you, basically. Yeah. And he's, he says, I wanted to make things right. I have to go now, but... You know, there's a bright future ahead of you. And he fades out, and John's just there shouting, what's going on? I don't understand. And then John's just alone in his hotel room. And... Hotel room? Hospital room? Hotel room. I, 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 who knows? <laughs> it, it, could be, it could be a fancy hospital. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but, but then we cut to um, a graveyard in the snow. Okay, okay. this snow. page, this page is beautiful. I love this page. I think it's just some absolutely stunning art. And it's silent. There's no dialogue. And yeah, this is just so beautiful. I love this. Yeah, the lack of... 
the lack of dialogue is what absolutely sells us because over the course of six panels, we see Oliver Queen's grave. We see a hand placing roses. We see Hal standing by the grave. And then over these lovely two panels, we, we just get like a a close-up of his face and then the same shot, but it's like fading out, like being obscured by the snow or he's or he's physically disappearing. And then... And then he's just gone, and we just get an empty shot of, of the grave. It, it's really powerful. Yeah, it's it's beautifully done. Some stunning art, I think, uh, from Mike McCone and the rest of the team. And yeah, I love it. It's it's you you in that one page in those six panels, you get the emotion, the friendship that Hal had with Green Arrow. Just there, it's all there, and it's stunning. And, of course, would also set up the resurrection of Oliver Queen in Green Arrow. <laughs> the restraint uh, of not having any dialogue, I think, is 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 remarkable. So, yeah, yes, very well done. And uh, then we cut away. And we cut to a gentleman who's working on a plane. Like a like a like a biplane, and uh, Hal's narration picks up again and goes, "Only fitting, I find him up to his air, air elbows in an engine," and um, yeah, and then a hand wearing a green glove reaches out from off panel, hangs him a a wrench or a spanner, and uh, and refers to the fact that this is uh, Tom Kalmaku who he's uh, who he's talking to. I really like these pages because it was the sixties, fine, but. In the original Green Lantern comics, Tom was essentially Hal's sidekick, if you will, and pretty much was a racist caricature. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, pretty much is charitable. Like, yeah, uh, uh, an outlandish uh, racist caricature. <laughs> I would say. Yeah, yeah. Like even even you know, Hal's name for him was a derogatory term. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. But Not I like great. these two pages. I don't know much about whether Tom had appeared in some of the 90s uh, or post-crisis Green Lantern books and whether that had started the groundwork of sort of repairing that. But these two pages, I think, are very nice. Yeah, and of course, harking back to Hal's, you know, kind of origins as a as a pilot. And mm. uh, yeah, and Tom is an engineer. And so and Tom seems like almost like genuinely happy to see him. You know, kind of despite everything, um, that's his first reaction is to go like, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's you like, a you know, an old friend. Yeah. And he asks why Hal's here and Hal says, well, I could ask you the same thing. Everything's going to hell and, and you're fixing a plane. And Tom says, yeah, well, everything that's happening with the sun, the world ending. How do you deal with that? So I just wanted to do something and this is what I do. <laughs> yeah. And. We also see the reason for, you know, kind of his enthusiastic welcome of Hal is that he he doesn't really, he can't or won't believe everything he's heard about Hal. You know, he's, he's saying like, you're my friend, you know, and, he, and he's loyal to him. And so he, he can't believe these reports of Hal being a murderer or Hal turning against the heroes. So, you know, Hal doesn't dissuade him. You know, I, yeah. I, I guess it's almost like a gift to him. It's like he'd rather have his friend still have this false image of him because it, it makes him happier. Or maybe Hal's, more than anything, doesn't want to 
disappoint him. I think that would kind of crush him more than than you know, kind of letting the hero community down. It would just be letting this one guy who believes in him so much down. Yeah, and, and Tom says, hey, I'm, I'm working on a book about you. Uh, there's a draft in my bench. I'm going to tell everyone the kind of hero you really are. They need to be reminded. Uh, and he's going to pull it out to show Hal. And Hal just says, look, I can't stay. I have things I wanted to do, but I just wanted to see you, say thank you. You should go be with your wife and kids. I'm going to try and give you a good ending for your book. As he just then teleports out. And then, of course, uh, we cut to another snowy environment because everything is a snowy environment at the moment. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, there's a woman standing in the snow. And, uh, and uh, Hal just kind of steps into shot behind her. And, uh, she, you know, without even turning, she goes, you know, I wondered when you'd be showing up. And we, we look, it's, it's Carol, Carol Ferris. Yeah, who was the great love of Hal Jordan's life and you know he says you, you, you're you not surprised to see me and you're the only one and she just says I think I just know you better than everyone else yeah and she says I know why you're here I, I know exactly what you're doing and just because you think you can do something about this yeah and 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 you know there's they're keeping this distance between them for the moment and you know Hal's like you know, yeah, I'm here to help, but you know, this even this might be too this might be too much for even me, you know, and um Yeah, or an alternative could be is that I could I could take you away. You know, I have we, we could leave all this, we could escape, you know, we could find somewhere else in the universe and we could be happy together. You know, I I, I could do all this easily. Yeah. And she says, But this isn't about us and it never was. It's about everyone else they need Green Lantern to save them. We never had a future together and we don't have one now. And you know that. And yeah, she says she's heard about everything he's done, but she knows who he really is. And so does he. And that's a hero. Yeah. And Al voices his doubts again. Yeah. And, you know, they, 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 she steps closer to him and, you know, she says, um, you know, it doesn't really matter if you can do it. It's, it's, you know, what's important is that in your heart, you know, you should. And it goes, and she goes, and that's why this has to be goodbye. And <coughs> she says, she says she loves him. And, um, and then we get another silent, pa- a silent page and all the two of them embracing him and kissing in the snow. Yeah. And then he just fades out, leaving her stood there alone, looking fairly maudlin. <laughs> Yeah, um, and again, admiring the the restraint to let these kind of silent moments kind of play out. Mm. Yeah, uh, and then we cut to the remains of Coast City, which is literally a crater. Yep, it's just a crater with then a a, a massive torch, uh, a massive flaming torch, then in the the bay just off the coast. And Hal talks about how it was his home. He's in the heart of what was the waterfront district. There was a seafood place that would give him free food as Green Lantern. <laughs> and now it's just ground zero. Cyborg and Mongol gave birth to an abomination here. And yeah, he says, okay, I can't let this happen again. I failed at the thing that mattered most. So let's get this over with. And uh, energy starts to pour out of his uh, out of his chest. 
and he summons uh, Ganthet and uh, one of the guardians. And so he, he says, like, you know, he's been he's been within me since the last time I returned to Earth, uh, like a like a the remnants of like some thoughts of him. I, I now again, I, I can't speak on what specifically on what, what that's referring to. But, mm, I'm not a hundred percent on it myself either. But regardless, he seems to be able to summon a physical manifestation of Ganthet out of nothing, and he says, "You know, um, you know, didn't have a lot of time for the Guardians, but Ganthet was one of the more tolerable ones." And uh, yeah, they so now they have a conversation. Yeah, and Hal asks if he knows what's going on, and Ganthet says, "I know what you know, and I know more." I know what you're going to do. And he basically says, you know, you betrayed the Green Lantern Corps, but you were still the greatest of the Lanterns, the most heroic, and your betrayal doesn't change that. Now, Howe doesn't take very kindly to the definition of betrayal. You know, he yeah. said, yeah, you turned your backs on me when I needed you. It's like, after everything I'd done for you, was it too much to give me what I wanted? And, um, you know, Ganthet actually concedes and says, yeah, well, look, we we believe too much in rules and we, we couldn't ever break them, um, even for a worthy cause. So, you know, I can't excuse what you did, but uh, I do accept that, you know, we may have aggravated matters by not helping you. So he says, I'm sorry. And um, he reaches out and there's a there's a ring in his hand and says it can be yours again if you want it. And Hal says, I did try and get my ring back not long ago. I thought I could get my past back if I did. But the past's gone and I've let it go. I've done things I'm not proud of. I thought I was doing the right thing. Maybe what you're saying is true. The person I am hasn't changed, just the trappings. And he also says, I won't be needing the ring. And then um, Ganthet says, you know, as you wish, do what you must, as, as will I. He says goodbye, and then he he kind of explodes in a in a in a flare of green green light. And as Hal kind of looks at this kind of scorched patch path, uh, sorry, scorched uh, patch of ground, he says, um, he goes, "There's nothing left." You know, I, I've I've kind of that's everyone. That's every human connection I had, and I I could go talk to my brothers, I suppose, but they they never they didn't actually know I was Green Lantern, so it'd be a bit of an odd conversation, I imagine. Yeah, and he, he flies towards the the torch, the Coast City Memorial, eternal flames pointing towards the heavens, and he floats in front of them and he t- sort of replays his history. He's done miraculous things and he's done terrible things. He's asked if he, he asks if he's lost himself or has he gazed into the abyss and then turned away. And then he just summons Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like instantaneously, like he kind of... I don't know maybe he just put Kyle in a in a cosmic pocket for a moment so he could bring him back when he wanted him. Um, I, yeah, he says, I wonder if Kyle went to Hal before he went inside the Sun Eater, and this is why they then just suddenly lost Kyle because Hal oh. teleported him here in the bit where he's scanning inside the Sun in issue two. I I don't know if those timelines match up. I don't know if the Green Lantern tie-in book itself would explain what happened to Kyle there, and it's something else. But it, you know. It's, it's, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a perfectly valid interpretation, to be honest. And um, 
yeah, and as he summons Kyle, uh, Powell's narration basically points out that, like, you know, maybe I've fallen from grace. Maybe I, I just kind of lost my way for a bit. In the end, it doesn't really matter. And he, he says to Kyle, he says, I want you to go to them, you know, go, go to the others. And um, he basically, you know, sums up his entire life and says, you know, my whole my whole life, all the triumphs, all the tragedies, they've, they've led to this moment. So he says, Kyle, you know, go to them and tell them I'll tell them I'll help. And we get this final page. Yeah. And he says, the only choice I can live with, finally, I am content. And you've got, it's a nice splash page where you've got this sort of very menacing, powerful looking parallax stood in the foreground as over him looms the ghost of Howler's Green Lantern, <laughs> the heroic version. And yeah, lovely work, all surrounded in flames and fire. And yeah, and that is the end of the issue, the end of um, Emerald Night. To be continued in the final night, issue four. And yeah, and, and wow, there we go, a, a bumper-sized issue. I, I think that was an oversized issue. It was. It that it is like double the size. It's forty something pages, but it doesn't feel like it is, and I mean that as a compliment. Oh no, agreed. Like it, it, we've um, we've done some longer issues, which have felt like a wow, this is a chore. But no, but this one flowed really well. I think yeah, the pacing is lovely. I think the all the different scenes of Hal talking to the people from his past are all so well done that the dialogue and the art just work together really well i think it's a lovely issue i think it's great i genuinely really liked this issue and i would say more so than i had expected to because i don't aside from kyle i don't have this big emotional connection with the history of hal or 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 the other green lanterns to be honest um you know i've never read a or followed the Green Lantern series on its own. And yet, this was just a really good story. You know, mm. it had hearts, uh, good dialogue, uh, it had flair. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed revisiting this one. I think knowing Hal Jordan's history, it's, it's just a lovely... Knowing what's about to happen as well... Yeah, it's a nice little epilogue, <clears throat> epilogue on Hal Jordan, I think. Indeed, yeah, no, a hundred percent, and 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 I th I think particularly um, coming in the middle of the final night miniseries, which we've been which we've been reading, um, this this definitely stands stands out. Like I, I you know, I, I don't want to. Um, you know, I I don't want to come down too too harshly on on the on the actual miniseries itself, but like, I I think if you gave this, I think if you gave in a vacuum, I think if you if you gave these stories to someone who wasn't familiar with DC Universe or even superhero comics in general, I I think more 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 of them would pick out this story as a as a more satisfying read. Like th this issue, there's something about it which has kind mm. of elevated it above above the stories we've been reading so far and it's why even though kyle's barely in the first three issues he gets some moments a little bit to do here and there but this issue and the next one are why i genuinely the final night is a crossover book it's got everyone in it but i think of it as a green lantern story mm. Mm, quite yeah and yeah and i i wonder whether the actual events of final night 
have, I don't know, suffered from having such a big cask and kind of not really having an, uh, an emotional heart to it because we've we've had to bounce about between so many different people. Whereas like, you know, you get a, you get this issue, which is nothing but emotion, which is nothing but character. And it, and it kind of sings. Yeah, I think it, it, I'd probably compare it to when we looked at DC 1 million, that was a struggle as well. Mm. There was some really good moments in it, but a real high point of DC 1 million was the Resurrection Man tie-in because mm. it did a very similar thing in that it was this character it was just focused on this one character and it was sort of a an again a sort of culmination of everything that had happened with that character and where they were coming from and going to and and the history of him and and yeah i i think and for me that's one of my favorite parts of dc 1 million and i think the same is true here mm. no i i i i agree and yeah, and, and and I I think um, you know it, 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 I've often felt he said this is my TED talk I've often felt that when you're telling a story, uh, you can have moments that are cool, and you can have moments that are necessary to drive the story along, and I always find it interesting to see where a creative team chooses to direct their energies, uh, and I, I've you know I felt that um, I think a lot of final night so far has been a lot of necessary moments like we're getting all the pieces to to kind of make make a story like i can't fault it in terms of like all the events are falling in the right order you know play characters where they need to be but you know you look at this story and and it's telling a functional story from a to b but it's also it's, it's these little diversions it's taking the time to have a single silent page without dialogue Two, in fact. Yeah. You know, it's these choosing to, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, choosing to waste space on those emotional beats is is what really elevates it as a story. And, you know, if, as much as we've been following, like, the world slowly freezing to death, uh, there hasn't been a lot of emotion to it. Like, I, if we'd had a couple of moments like that in the story so far, then maybe I... You know, people would talk about this this crossover. I don't know a bit more. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also because a lot of this stuff gets undone. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you hit Infinite Crisis, and after Infinite Crisis, Final Night is never mentioned again. I believe, really, not mm. much anyway. You know, by that point, <clears throat> Hal comes back as Green Lantern, and is just oh, okay, fine. Final night. Uh, whereas for a few years, the events of this book were pretty momentous. Yes, indeed, and and it, and it's funny, isn't it? Because now that we've had this tie-in, and obviously because of what's about to happen, it kind of feels like oh, things are suddenly going to kick up a gear. You know, like mm. it's like it's this issue is the reason we is the reason you get involved really, and you know the conclusion to final night, what's coming the direct continuation of, of what we just read, you know, like, yes, okay, this is, these are the money shots basically is, is what's coming up. And yeah. And, and then you go, Oh yeah, this is, this is monumental. This is, there's big stuff here. Yeah. And I think it helps make issue four of final night a lot more focused. It's, it's got one thing to do and that's it. And that's what it's going to do. And so I think, you know, 
the first three issues are a bit scattershot. They go all over the place, focus on all these different characters. But issue four is characters get their moments. It is still a crossover book. Superman, Batman, Pharaoh. Thank God for the Pharaoh cast, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they all get their moments in issue four. Uh, but it has more focus to it. Well, here's a question for you, PJ. In your trade, mm. does it have an issue, an additional issue, after the end of Final Night? No. So it doesn't have issue 81 of Green Lantern? No, just Final Night 4. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so my trade has um, the kind of like the epilogue to Final Night, which is a Green Lantern oh. story, which is, oh. a, which is like a memorial service for Hal. Ooh. I might have to get that because we might have to cover that. Yeah, there's a lot of Kyle in it, so that could be worth covering. Okay, I will. I will. I will get hold of it. <laughs> Righto. Okay. Well, there we go. I just. Uh, I'm glad we checked. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my trade ends with the end of Final Night Four. I know. I am clearly reading like a a, a much later edition. Like, yeah. uh, I, I think DC did, must have done a. They got drunk on power when Comicsology first came out, and we're like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put set an intern to go and assemble all these digital digital editions." <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so, PJ, do you have do you have any kind of final 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 thoughts? Um, no, just that I love that issue. I love the Oliver Queen page. I think is is just one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a comic, just the effect of Hal fading out in a flurry of snowflakes is, is so good. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a really, really good issue. And as you say, it is I think the main reason for reading final night, there are other things I'm going to bring up after we read issue four. Mm. We've still got those continuity issues to discuss. Oh, and God, I, think yes. you'll be, uh... <laughs> I think you'll find that fun, but yeah, uh, that, that was great revisiting that issue. I loved it. Um, what was I going to say? Um, we we will touch upon continuity issues, which I'm looking forward to. I think that's going to be fun. Um, but I found myself just as a weird uh, talking point uh, before before we sign off. I found myself um, looking through the database of kind of DC titles around this time, and as far as I'm aware, there were three. Justice League teams in, oh. s- in some capacity running around around this time. Uh, you had Justice League Task Force, which was run by Jean, and had Triumph, Ray, Gypsy, and a few other characters on it. You had Extreme Justice, which was led by Captain Atom. And I think there may have also been a team with Wonder Woman on it. Oh, okay. And okay. The, the reason I bring that up is I think that would explain... Oh, explain is a strong word. I think I would explain why Captain Atom is somehow calling the shots in the first issue. Yeah, we're going to get into that after issue four. <laughs> we really are, because it doesn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll dissect it, PJ. We'll go, we'll go yes. into great oh, detail. Oh, boy, will we dissect it. I, I, don't, I don't think I've got anything to add because it's, it's, that hasn't already been said. It had a lot of heart. It was well written. It, it's really elevated this story, its inclusion. Yeah. No, it, it really does. And I am looking forward to looking at the final issue now as well. Well, and I guess uh, on that note, if we have nothing left to say, um, 
uh, I would say um, a massive thank you to Gav Mitchell for drawing our incredible cover artwork. And uh, another massive thank you to Elliot Red for composing and performing our, our amazing theme tune, Justice. And um, this was ostensibly kind of our Christmas episode, wasn't it? And we didn't... Yeah, it launches <laughs> on Boxing Day. This episode is coming out the day after Christmas Day, so I hope you all had a lovely Christmas. Indeed. And PJ, um, a merry belated Christmas to you. And a merry belated, but also early, because we're recording it a week before Christmas to you.